Before we jump in today's episode, we want to give a special shout out to Sadith. She joined us on Patreon and we are so excited to have her. Our personal goal is going to be 10 Patreon members by the end of the year. So if you've been on the fence or thinking about it or not quite sure what all it entails, check out patreon.com slash 50 states of terror, five zero states of terror. This week's Krypton Encounter features a couple guest stars. One of them is our youngest son, and one is the very talented Kate Flower. Last thing of note before we get started, we had a little bit of a bump on our audio, and so every once in a while you might hear a wire touching. It's just going to sound like a light, gentle thump, just like the things that go bump in the night. It's just more of a love tap. So don't be alarmed. There's nothing wrong with your audio. It's just occasionally you're going to hear a little bit of sound. It wasn't too distracting or we would have re-recorded the whole episode, but all right. And with that, away we go. 50 States of Terror may include descriptions and discussions unsuitable for young audiences. Episodes may contain adult themes, language, and content. Listener discretion is advised. Merge onto Highway 12, then proceed for 5.7 miles. Yes, yes, Highway 12, I heard ya. Grandpa. Grandpa. Yes, honey bunch, we're going to Grandpa's house. Grandpa's. Yay. How about some music, baby? Doggy. Or do you see a doggy? I don't. I don't see a doggy. I mean, it's dark out there, but I mean, yeah. Are you sure you see a doggy? Something like a dog. Okay. If you say so, kid. <gasps> Son of a. <sighs> oh my gosh. Are you okay, BB? Oh, did you see that? Of course you didn't see that. Here are three in, in the back seat. Good God. Okay, it was a dog, it was just a dog. Big, big dog. Middle of the night. Well, you were right, honey. Yay, there was a doggy. Resume driving on Highway 12 for 3.2 miles. Yes, I get it. I know where I'm going now. Thank you. Definitely turning you off. Grandpa Jim. Kate? Thanks for taking him on such short notice. I just, I needed a night to myself. Work has just been crazy. This kid's just, you know, so much energy. And then there was this dog on the highway. You saw a dog on Highway 12? Yeah. Calvin saw him first, but didn't think anything of it. The damn thing ran up the road. Was it a black dog? Yeah. I mean, does it belong to one of your neighbors? Uh, I mean, it's just, it, it was a few miles back. Should should we call and let him know? No. No need. Nobody is looking for that dog. Nobody wants to find it. Are you okay? Feeling okay? You aren't sick, are you? 
No, no, just... Just really tired. <laughs> anyway, I... I should get going. Look. Let's get the kiddo inside. I need to tell you something about that dog. Now don't go past this as some old man and nonsense either. That dog is an omen. They say it is a, a warning. You see it on that road and something bad, bad happens. I would advise you to be careful. That dog is a supernatural manifestation of a poor, poor soul. Years ago, the landlord on parts of Old Highway 12 was brutally murdered. By who? The tenants. Some argument, and they chopped him up and fed him to his dog. And the spirit of the dog came back to Highway 12. I don't know if it's a warning or if it's a... I don't know, believe in any of this stuff. But please, be careful. Well, alright, Grandpa Jim. That's a, that's a really good ghost story, but I don't believe a dog can predict my impending doom, gloom, or any other kind of omen, so... Uh, um, just, just don't tell that story to the kid, though. He accidentally saw a cartoon ghost on TV, and he didn't sleep for a week, saying the monsters were in his room. It was a nightmare, so... Kate, please be careful. I will. I promise. I'll be back tomorrow around noon, okay? Thanks again for watching him, and just don't let him stay up too late. Welcome to this spooky edition of 50 States of Terror. Ooh. I love spooky season. It is my favorite time of year. Absolutely, hands down. This is my time to shine. So is there an opposite of that? Of like hands up? This is hands up the worst? Yeah, that's called getting arrested. Hands up. Boo. What? You... <laughs> Stupid questions get stupid answers. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hey. Welcome back to 50 States of Terror. I'm Anthony. And I'm Kaylee. Yeah, this is Delaware. The first state. Have you ever been to Delaware before? I have never been to the Northeast before. The furthest north and east I ever made it was Pennsylvania. That's pretty, that's pretty far 
up northeast. Yeah, but it's not like north northeast, right? Where's Delaware? Can you can you pinpoint Delaware? In, in, Absolutely, I can. I went to American Public School. Where's Delaware? Somewhere in the northeast. <laughs> Missouri education at its finest. <laughs> I could probably find it. I feel fairly confident. I know like what enough states look like and where they are so that whatever's left has to be Delaware, right? That's that's pretty much how I had to to remember where Delaware was at because Delaware is is a weird it's just a it's it's a small like in the shape of a of a uh, like a, it's a weird. What shape is it, Anthony? It, <laughs> if I had to describe it, it's like you take a rectangle and cut it in, in diagonal in half. It's like so, a triangle? No, 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 no. Uh, but it has weird things around it. It's just, it's a stupid state. Okay, so Delaware is actually the second smallest state in the United States. The only one that's smaller is Rhode Island. Now Delaware is actually so small that it has the smallest amount of counties of any state so it only has three counties in the whole thing i drive through three counties just to get to work every day so that is just mind-boggling small to me so they're large counties but they do have the uh the record for the fewest counties in any state yeah i was actually looking at pictures of, of delaware and i would like to go visit it's it looks really it looks nice <laughs> so delaware is the first state so obviously it's going to be steeped in a lot of English traditions, yeah. which is going to bring us to the fence rail dog. Yeah. So we chose this cryptid specifically because it is spooky season. You going to make the ghost sound again? <laughs> that was the most pitiful ghost I've ever heard. <laughs> what were we talking about? Oh, Delaware is the first state. So it is steeped in a lot of English tradition and a lot of English lore, whether we recognize it as very English now or whether it's just been completely immersed and changed as time went on. So the fence rail dog is one of the cryptids that is in a Venn diagram of what is cryptid and what is mythic. Would that be the the right way to say that? Yeah. Yeah. So, or supernatural. Mythic, yes, supernatural, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so the fence rail dog is a large black dog. It's often described as having shaggy hair. It got its name because it's simply as tall as a fence rail. So when the the fences at the time were about four foot tall on average, and so when people would see this, it was as tall as a fence rail, so it was very creatively named uh, the fence rail dog. Yeah. It has glowing red eyes. And while it may be four foot tall to the shoulder, it's actually supposed to be about 10 foot long from tip of its nose to the tip of its tail. Right. Yeah. And the shaggy aspect of it, um, I, I briefly saw that one person described it as a large collie, just black. Okay. It's a, like that, a lassie, but of but, death. But of death. Yeah. A lassie of death. What's that, lassie? Timmy died in the well? I took your soul. Oh, gosh. Okay. So, the fence rail dog is a worldwide phenomenon, really. Maybe not by the same name. There are other ones by other names. But 
in this very, very small state, we have a very, very, very small area that this specific one is seen. In our story, it mentions Highway 12, that all of these sightings occur in. They're always in the same place. They always have very similar descriptions, maybe not always the same end result. So a lot of people think that it's an omen. It's showing your impending doom, or it's warning you away from something. Or in some versions, it's protecting you from something, because that's where your supernatural kind of side of the Venn diagram comes out. So it really depends on your personal beliefs as to what the thing actually is. But all that aside, this is a very isolated area, a very isolated cryptid. This is where it exists. This is where it lives. Yeah. And then the background of it is incredibly deep, crazy uh, lore and and backstory. So let's go straight into the origins of it. Okay. So take it away. I found the most horrific question mark. <laughs> I'll take the the religious one because I think that's just the most horrible fucking thing that I could ever, I can ever read about. Well, and it makes sense that you take the religious one because we've discussed kind of like our oppositeness in previous episodes, and you are religious, and I am not religious. Well, I was I was born into the catholic church <laughs> and then now i'm like oh, mm, i have questions <laughs> i was born to a heathen and here i am <laughs> I <was> like, mm. <laughs> she's gonna listen to this podcast mom i'm not calling you a heathen <laughs> yeah heathen black dogs in general were seen as i don't want to use the word just demonic because that's not entirely true but they were more like uh, the same the same realm as if you were to, to cross a black cat, whether it was uh, bad omen, bad luck, or it was uh, some type of uh, mis- misfortune was going to be set upon you because you either saw it or you, it crossed your path. Now, in the old churches, what they used to do is they used to bury a live black dog. In the cornerstone of churches to ward off evil. How they came came up with that, I have absolutely no fucking idea because that's just horrific. (laughs) Now, they weren't always live dogs. Sometimes they would have effigies. They would, um, some churches would create just some kind of stuffed version. Right. Or some. rudimentary gargoyle looking thing or, mm-hmm. or or whatever and just and place it in the cornerstone but the fact that they did do it mm-hmm. put live dogs in the in the, in the cornerstone buried buried in the cornerstone like like what what like like, like oh, do you want to just go ahead and, and like rip the blood off of a of a like a an angel's wing and 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 like uh, I don't know. It's, it's now just... it's not uncommon in architectural history in general to place a body of some kind in a building. Have you ever heard of the stories about the London Bridge and the children that are entombed in the base? I I have heard the stories. I do not know if they're true. I don't know if they're true, but I do know that it's true for different architects in in the history. We're not saying that we're doing this like as we're building skyscrapers. Hopefully not. But don't piss off the mob. Jimmy Hoffa. So that was a a common, at least a common superstition, a common story that went around. 
But yeah, so the black dogs were put there because they thought it was going to ward off witches. It was going to ward off evil spirits, thieves, murderers, the like. And it wasn't uncommon for priests to claim that they would see these large black dogs in the graveyards or during burials, they would see these dogs. Now, a lot of these stories that we're going to be talking about are actually happening in England. Mm-hmm. And that's just because of the connection that Delaware has as the first state and right. having those those steep English traditions. Right. As steep as English tea. Nope. Not funny. So there are different names of very specific dogs in England. Uh, one of the most popular ones that I came across was Black Shuck. And Black Shuck, Black Shuck was in the 16th century and was recorded as coming upon two men that were praying. I believe the church was on fire. And the way that they describe it is that the dog comes up and wrung their necks. So the dog then kills the two praying men as they're like at their altar. And so that was one of the big widespread stories of a black dog doing nefarious acts. Like how does, how does a dog strangle you? <laughs> well, dogs attack the throat. So it may not have like rung it like we think of like strangulation. It's like a little pause like <laughs> <laughs> with its mouth. <laughs> so dogs do attack the neck. So it's one of those things if a dog were to have attacked, yeah, that would make sense, but really the the whole story is, is rather fishy and is also at a at a time where, you know, there's some turmoil going on. Yeah. And so to create any kind of propaganda would have made sense. Yeah, so I did read that uh the reason behind they would do this is to create this spirit of the black dog around these these churches or around these um, these um, well not ho- holy lands but the land around really the consecrated church. ground consecrated ground yeah. yeah yeah there you go um, so if they were not if they weren't able to find any uh, protection uh, that they can they can use. They created it. And, mm-hmm. and what they did is they would uh, almost force this positive energy by by doing uh, these, um, uh, I, I don't want to say ritual, but like it is a ritual when you think about it. When you do, you're putting the the gargoyle or you're putting the, the figurine or you're putting the live dog into the cornerstone you're you're forcing this this energy around the area you mean like you're you're encouraging the people to believe a certain way so that you can control not control the narrative not so much control the narrative but i don't i don't even want to think that that it's a as a religious uh point of view you're forcing this spirit onto the, the land itself. If you took just a plane and you took a priest, and let's just say you know the priest went around the land, it's like, well, there's no there's no good spirit here, there's no bad spirit here. But if I feel if I put a church here, now I might draw in bad spirits into my church. So what I'll do is I'm going to create this good spirit by putting the the black dog energy, having something to focus that negative energy on is is something that would be beneficial to a small town priest like oh this is this is the bad guy <laughs> this is the bad spirit this is the bad entity and you know this is what we're doing to to be the positive and shepherd your herd a little bit that way yeah sure 
Now, there are ways in English folklore that you can ward off Grimm's or Hellhounds or Black Shuck. There were so many different names and every region has its own version with its very specific title. And I noticed that a lot of the ways that they were saying you could ward them off were very similar to the way that you could ward off the fae. So the fairy, the fae folk, there's a ton of name for them too. So it would be things like sprinkling holy water as you walk. If you're walking alone at night, you would take holy water with you and you'd sprinkle it on the ground or carrying iron scissors or a coffin nail. I think a coffin nail is interesting because a lot of the times people were saying that they would see these big black dogs in the graveyards outside the churches. Which, I mean, if you're a hungry stray dog and you know that people are gathering in these places, like you're more, you're going to get food some way or another, whether you're digging up a grave or you are being fed by the children who are trying to scrape their scraps to the side. So it makes sense that they would gather there. Yeah, or to feed on your soul. Or to feed on your soul. You know, I hear souls are very tasty this time of year. They're in season because it's spooky season. Do the ghost sound. (laughs) Do the ghost sound. (laughs) That brings us back to Delaware. So in our cryptid encounter this week, Anthony told one version of the Delaware story and how it came to be. But there's a couple different versions, even for this very specific one. So, you know, as always, there's going to be variations and different people telling different stories, different narratives happening. In the story, it was more of a, it may not have felt like a good omen, but it is one of the the lighter hearted ones where it's more, it's like, it's telling you something's going to happen. It's kind of warning you against it because it doesn't want you to get hurt. And it's trying to protect you. But there are a couple much uglier versions of why they think it's there. Obviously, one of the the worst ones is that it is going to the precursor of your impending doom. Kind of a horrible way to to, to go out looking at a large black dog with red eyes. I mean, if if the last thing I get to see is a puppy, I might die happy. No, this ain't no puppy. Oh, no. All puppers are puppers. Yeah, so one story of the origins of of this dog on Highway 12 is of a fugitive who offed himself instead of being taken to, to jail. And then his spirit was resurrected as a large black dog. I think that's the one that that is your impending doom, if you see that version of the dog, right? Well, they all have some kind of doom to them. Like, that means something bad is going to happen to you. The difference between the one that's a fugitive, the fugitive was a horrible, nasty person. And when he came back, that horrible, nasty personality was just in dog form. So he's more like going after you. He is wanting to attack you. He's wanting to cause your doom. So he's trying to be the the be-all, end-all spookiness. Whereas the other one, it was... Was a very kind man, a landlord, who was murdered. Uh, and fed to his dog. And fed to his loyal dog. And then uh, that version, I guess, is where it not protects you, but warns you? Yeah, so it was it was a good and loyal pupper. And that version of the story, it will even act out against people who would do you harm. So say you were walking in the woods on 
the side of Highway 12 and someone were to come up to you with nefarious intent, that version of the story, the dog would go after your attacker. There are sightings where it is running alongside the vehicle. And I know when I was a kid, I used to picture like a dog running next to the vehicle. And I didn't realize that that was such a a widely believed thing until I started really getting into like some indie horror where it's like, oh, yeah. And I always pictured it would run the the same as me and it would be next to the vehicle and it would hop from like building to building or it would keep up with the car. I thought that was just like an individual child imagination that I had. And I didn't realize it was uh, quite so popular. But that really goes into where people are like, hey, this is what I saw. This is what I believe I saw. And then all of the stories fuel together and create the legend that we're talking about today. Yeah. Now, is this the only dog cryptid that's out there? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There's so many. There's yeah. a dog man. There's what we did Wolf Woman of Alabama already. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of canine associations yeah but this is i think the first one that we have encountered where or research where there's nothing like mythical about it it's just a a giant black dog oh so far as like it doesn't have like two heads or wings or a tail right you know spiked or something does it have a a tail of a snake or something like that now it is unnaturally large we don't have anything in the u.s um i mean that's even close to this size. There's not a 10 foot long canine. Unless, you know, you're a Game of Thrones fan and like a dire wolf came out of nowhere. <laughs> like we don't have anything that large. There is some speculation as to whether or not it would be a wolf, like a main wolf. Yep. Main wolf. Yeah. Um, there are also some discussions about dog hybrids because when we first came to america as england was like coming over there weren't a lot of stray dogs there were some canine breeds here but as we started bringing in more and more breeds and domesticated dogs with us as long as they have enough chromosomes in common with other canines they can breed and you get these odd unseen before breeds that are now running around right so this this highway is very old i'm I'm failing you a little bit because I don't remember exactly when it was there, but it wasn't just always paved. There was a roadway there before where the, where the rumors originally started. And there are um, speculations of it, of uh, people just seeing weird shadows of just a normal dog or what, what have you, or it could possibly be a prehistoric hyena, a cave hyenas. I did see something about a hyena. I also saw a theory that it was a hyena that escaped from like a sideshow. Right. Just a freak looking thing. Which I cover a hyena theory for the Beast of Gévaudan, which was a French story that I told in the Witching Hour, which is another housecraft podcast. Uh, And I think I actually mentioned the specific story before, but it is one of my favorite stories. And it's a werewolf story. Uh, because of how massive hyenas actually are and their biting capabilities. Hyenas are terrifying. They are not just little scavengers. They can literally crunch bone with their bite. They have a ridiculous bite and they're very large and close enough to dogs that uh, if you're not expecting it at first glance, that's a dog. But it's wrong. Yeah. It's like that scary movie where you see a silhouette of a body. You're like, that's a person. 
but then you notice that the arms are too long or like the head is too large. Yeah, like, or it's bending in a weird or way. Or it's bending in some weird way. Oh, I want to watch spooky movies. <laughs> uh, now, this particular story reminded me of another cryptid that I absolutely loved. And it's uh, featured in in my book. Uh, and it is from the Native American tribe of the Iowa. It is called the Shunkawarakan. The similarities between this and what the fence real dog is, is kind of similar. The Shunkawarakan is basically hyena hy- wolf hybrid, and it's it's gnarly looking. What I love about that particular thing is that you can almost see this uh, taxidermy uh, thing that that was once at Yellowstone. It's just this gnarly looking thing. It looks, it looks like a like a creeped out hyena. <laughs> so when I think about the, the defense rail dog, I think of what it could be, and I want to believe that it's it's like a version of the the Shunken Warrigan. I want to believe that it's this is this creature that roams the woods. Because that's just so cool to me. It's a long lost cousin that's just like chilling a few states over. Shit, yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, there are some other stories in other states that have very similar large black dogs, just like England has a bunch of different versions. I mean, you can find it anywhere from England to Ireland. You've got the Isle of Man and Wales has their own version. They, there's just so many. And I know a lot of those are, are meshed together. Just as diverse as England is, so is America, and we have them all over the place. We see a lot of variations of the black dog in pop culture, too. Now, the very first one that is always going to pop into my brain is Professor Trelawney in the astronomy tower and looking at Harry Potter's teacup and going, the Grim, because I love that movie. It's my favorite. Well, I love the book. But I love uh, The Prisoner of Azkaban, hands down, best in the series. But <laughs> it really follows and feeds into the Black Dog folklore. It is a bearer of bad news. It is a bad omen. It means death. It means all these things. And it also shows the flip side because Harry doesn't experience necessarily... I mean, death does come to, to serious Black. Uh, spoiler. But it also brought him hope and it was a good thing for him and it gave him family. So it kind of incorporates different parts of different black dog culture. You see, in my realm, one of my, when I say my realm, I'm talking about uh, RPGs, Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder type, type games. Most of the time, black dogs, black cats are the more heroic types like um the black panther that dritz has uh gwenthar that's it's a it's a hero mm-hmm. you know it's it's weird to see that difference in in how people like use the black cat or the black dog as a a hero vice a, a villain now do you think that has to do with that subculture so i mean let's just like for for lack of better term like that nerdy subculture so those fantasy writers those fantasy creators not always the most popular ones i mean i know it's cool to be a nerd now but that wasn't always the case do you think that that might be taking things that are very specifically 
outcasts that are very specifically not great or not accepted and then turning them into heroic figures and things that are positive? Well, 100% because Duritz is, is a drow and drow, the drow race were at one point like the, the, the complete outcasts. They were the underdwellers. They, they lived underground, always, always thought of as evil until you had this this one particular drow with lavender orb eyes who was the outcast and he is the hero with his big power, black cat with the big black cat <laughs> now it's very sad and if you're looking to adopt an animal i want to give a shout out to black dogs because black dogs are amazing my experience with black dogs has been nothing but positive i love rescue babies we have two rescue dogs now one of them is a black dog I've had previous black rescue dogs, but black dogs are euthanized more than any other dog, and yeah. they are the hardest to get adopted. And I, the same with cats. I don't understand how that stigma still applies to today. I don't. I, I don't get it. It's nuts. So this is my my social shout out to if you're looking to adopt a dog, get a black dog. Yeah. Name it like Black Shuck. Give it some like crazy backstory when people ask you. Oh, so where'd you get this dog? Be like, well, it attacked a church. <laughs> just tell some crazy story and just like, just come up with one of them and just, and just give him that. No, well. But it, black it, dogs are, are amazing. No, this is Lucifer. Morningstar. The resurrection, resurrected dog of an English church in 1801. And it told me its name in my dreams. And now it's Daisy. <laughs> now its name is Daisy. <laughs> So other pop culture references, Sir Conan Arthur Doyle wrote The Hounds of Baskerville, and that was based on a, tr- on a, in air quote, true legend that was going on at the time. And it was about a large black dog, a spectral dog that was haunting the area. Um, if you're not familiar with it, go check out the story. <laughs> I get a little bit of personal satisfaction knowing that Sir Conan Arthur Doyle hated Sherlock he wrote the Sherlock character and was just so fed up with him by the end and wanted nothing to do with him that he wrote this story and purposely did not include Sherlock in most of it. He actually sent Watson on the adventure because he just didn't want to write Sherlock anymore. Sherlock gets to like solve the mystery at the end because of course he does, but he just didn't want to work with Sherlock anymore and he's just over it. And as an author, hey, he can do whatever the hell he wants. Yeah, it just, <laughs> it just makes me laugh. And instead of creating a new character, he's like, well, I have a character that I don't hate. I'll just, I'll use that one. So that was, uh, that was interesting. But yes, that is something, if you want to do some more homework on this, if you want to do some reading on it, that is a, a great example of taking a legend and applying it into a literary form. So there's uh, some cool history there where they say that the black dog was the spirit of a wife that was taken out into a field or the woods and was murdered by her husband. But we have the actual death records and her husband died 10 years before she did. <laughs> so that's obviously not the case. Yeah. So now the time has come to rate our cryptid. And as always, we are going to be rating our cryptid on a scale of one to five golden Nessies. And you went first last time. So I will go first this time. So what do you rate the Fenchel Dog? I gave five golden Nessies last time. And I'm going to repeat it, and I'm going to give five golden Nessies to this one, too. This was so much fun. I Maybe I'm just in the spooky season, and I'm all about it, and I'm just going for it, and I'm enjoying the 
paranormal side of it. I'm, I'm enjoying the church aspect of it and all the different things. And we got to kind of go over the pond a little bit and talk about England. I was very entertained. And I think that there could be a dog that's running around the area. Don't think it's the same dog that was running around in you know the 1800s. But there are still sightings today. I mean, if nothing else, five Nessies for longevity. This thing has been going on for a very long time. There's still... I like the diversity of the backstory. Um, so yeah, five golden Nessies from Kaylee for the fence rail dog. And what do you rate the fence rail dog? They're the same. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I love, I love the, the simplicity of the story. It's not outrageous. So it kind of falls into that spectrum of like, you're watching a, spooky scary television or movie and that omen shows up and what's the omen it's a big black dog i was like okay that could be anything and then you have the possession of souls you have it can ward off evil it has the catholic church (laughs) involved with it which usually stems for a lot of hor- horrific and terrifying things like the majority of the movies now like the nun or the movie we just saw eli it 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 stems from like this this catholicism uh, deep-seated fear it, it, yeah it, it is because it's usually rooted in a whole lot of symbolism and ritual and, and things like that when you talk about what they did how it relates to a spirit manifesting itself into a dog to ward off evil, whatever, man, it's, I dig it. It's cool. And then the similarities to all the other cryptids that are, that are canine in nature. Uh, I like them too. This is, this is really fun to, to read about. So uh, five out of five. I love them. Our ratings are complete. Our stories are told and it's almost Halloween which means we have a very special announcement. We've been teasing some announcements coming up, but we are going to be doing a Patreon exclusive episode. It's only going to be for members of our Patreon and it's going to be all Halloween. Yeah. We're going to pick a couple different locations in the US. It's not going to be about cryptids. We're actually going to go more ghosty. Yeah. So whenever you join our Patreon, we are going to have cryptic content on there. We're going to have some behind the scenes. We're going to have bloopers. We're going to have those things. Uh, we're trying to figure out really the best way to compile those to make it a palatable listen. But this is going to be a little off the track. So if you want to hear what we think about some really famous hauntings here in the US, we're going to do a rundown of that. We now have our two Patreons and we are so thankful for them. And we would love to see you there if you're interested in hearing a little bit more of what we have to say, but maybe on a little bit of a different topic. 50 States of Terror is a Housecraft production. This episode was researched, written, and presented by Anthony and Kaylee Diaz. Do you need more 50 States of Terror? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you do. You can find us on Facebook, Patreon, and Instagram at 50 States of Terror. Now that's five zero states of terror. And on Twitter at 50 states terror without the of, you know, because of the character limit. (laughs) We'll see you there. Yeah, you will.